Hello and welcome to the You Dope Film Club podcast where we talk about movies every week. And uh, this week we are talking about Drive. I'm uh, Louis Gallup. I'm with, here with Sierra Stella and Greg Arietta. Hello. Hello. So, Drive, what do y'all think? Um, I thought it was an objectively good movie, <laughs> um, but I found myself not necessarily enjoying watching it. Like, I, I know that it's good, and I can appreciate it artistically. Um, and as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is very clever. This is well made. It's really well acted. But I wasn't, like, having a pleasurable time watching it, you know? I had seen this movie when I was, like, in high school. And I remember really liking it. And I rewatched it for the first time in God knows how many years. And it was it's still good, but there are certain more issues. It's, it's that issue when... The stuff you like as a kid, you haven't seen the most amazing films ever yet. But then when you do, you take those impressions of what you've seen in other films and you compare it to your older films. So, like for example, the movie Fifty Fifty with Sophie Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. I love that movie. Yeah, I remember really liking that when I saw that. And then I looked, I looked back on, I looked back and now I'm watching like, ooh, not great. There's some ish, major <laughs> issues in this film, but yeah. this film is still. Good overall. Yeah. Uh, I picked this movie. Uh, yeah, this is Louis. This is Louis pick. Yes, I picked this movie because it was a uh, integral part of my childhood. I watched this also uh, in high school, but pretty early on in high school, and it really, uh, you know, uh, introduced me to a world of uh, other uh, cinema. You know, not just your traditional hey, uh, go to the uh, cinemas on Friday uh, type of thing. Uh, we didn't get this movie in Dubai, uh, you know, uh, in theaters, so we had to had to watch it through, uh, you know, streaming services. Mm -hmm. But ever since I started watching it, it kind of changed how I uh, view things, and it changed my tastes too. Like uh, in this movie, uh, it has a uh, really great uh, '80s inspired soundtrack that I am really annoyed by the fact that it didn't win any Oscar, or, or it didn't get nominated for anything, even though it's like one of the best soundtracks, I think, if not the best soundtrack, in my opinion, for a film. Uh, other than that, I really loved the style of this movie. You know, it, it combined two of uh, my favorite uh, eras of style, the noir film and the, uh, the 80s movie. Uh, and I feel like it, has, it does both of these uh, types of, uh, genres pretty well and meshes them up in a very, very uh, unique way that is incredibly interesting to me and I loved it ever since. I've rewatched this movie probably five times mm. now and it's still as good as I remember it. Got that neon look you love so much. Yes, it does. It actually inspired a lot of uh, the work that I do personally and a lot of, you know, the movies that I watch right now actually, like The Guest. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, other 80s inspired films that are coming out right now. Stranger Things. Yeah. The craft of this film is, is really delicate. Like, um, it's very well-structured. Everything is deliberate. And it's very well shot. It's very well shot. Um, there's a lot of really cool color symbolism that goes into it. Um, like, uh, what's her, Carrie Mulligan's character, what's her name? 
I forget actually. Carrie Mulligan's character. Carrie Mulligan's character. I, most of uh, I forget. Oh, the Irene. It's Irene. Irene, yes, and uh, I think and Oscar Isaac is standard. Standard. But Ryan Gosling is the. Ryan Gosling never has a never name. Never gets a name. Yeah. He's driver. Driver credits. It's his driver. Yeah. He's the driver. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, Irene is normally uh, backlit by warm tones, like. There's a scene where um, she and Ryan Gosling's character are talking in the apartment and he's against a blue wall and she's being lit like intensely orange behind her. Or like the part of the movie where he's like having a nice day with Irene and Benicio and they go to the uh, the place that was Thunder Canyon in Greece. What's it called? Yeah, uh, it's uh, some place in LA that they use in a lot of films. You mean the LA River, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, That's all lit like super yellow. It is, and they play a song uh, then, uh, one of the major tracks that they replay later on, and it's the song A Real Human Being. Yeah, which, okay, first of all, it's a great song, but when they play it at the end of the movie, it's like really overdone. No, I They're the, really hitting us over I think the that. first time is weird. The first time is weird because you, when, you put, when you put like lyrical music in the film, it has to work. Mm -hmm. um, like Boz Lerman, I feel like The Great Gatsby has some issue with that. Um, when you put like an actual lyrical song into a film, it has to connect in a thing. It's why I think it's that very hard. In it, this movie, they does. do that really well with um, "Oh Love." That the one. The one that plays after he finds uh, Shannon dead. It starts when he's he finds Shannon dead against the Shannon car, and then it's Brian Cranston's Brian character. Cranston's yes. character yeah. so and then it plays throughout the I beginning think of the one, scene. I that was not, excellent. I could not agree with you more. That is the most. That was that so one's, good. There's three times we use music. There's one where the LA River scene. There's the one where the party... Lyrical music. Yes, lyrical music. Yes. Yeah. There's uh, the, the, the intro scene has a... Not the first scene, but like the title sequence also has a uh, song that has lyrics. It's called uh, Night Call by Kavinsky. But one of the major tracks, actually. We're talking about just in the movie, though. So, L.A. River, the one with um, Standard coming back, and then the one that you mentioned after they find Shannon. Yeah. And Shannon One, I think, is the one that really works. Yes, that was excellent. Because he has gone through so much at that point. And Everything's it, gone to like. It's very like tender. Like you kind of you're given you, you're given a window into his emotional life, and really the only people he has in his life are uh, Benicio and Irene, who he just recently got in his life, and Shannon. Shannon is like his only friend outside of them, mm -hmm. yeah. and he's now dead because of yeah. uh, his actions. Yes, uh, I do feel, however, that the first time real human being is used is actually uh, just based on uh, the driver's past. Uh, this drive, the movie, is actually based on a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but the book is very different mm -hmm. than what the movie was supposed to be. Originally, this movie was supposed to actually uh, star Hugh Jackman. Oh, oh, yeah! Really? And it was supposed to be like a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah. If you see the trailers, it's it's kind of like that. It's, you know, the trailers show it out to be like a Fast and Furious movie, just a fun, you know, action driving film. But this one, the uh, Grand Jury Pri uh, Best Director Prize, I think, for in in Cannes, it's either Best Director or the Grand Jury Prize, but I'm not sure. And people, you know, when they walked into the theaters, a lot of them. Uh, didn't like what they were watching because yeah. they were expecting more action. Well, I mean, the pace uh, of this film is so slow. It is. It is pretty slow, yes. But the funny thing is, someone actually sued, uh, you know, the, the publishing company because... They felt like they were misled? They, they didn't have... It didn't have enough action. They because said of it didn't false have, advertising? Because of false advertising, yes. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wait, how did that end up? 
I assume it got dismissed out of yeah, hand. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. You but, can't do that. But it happened, you know? Uh, the real human being thing is uh, based on his, his past. Uh, which so we always, don't know. Which we don't know as, as, uh, you know, as viewers of this movie, but it's implied that, uh, you know, from the way Shannon talked about how he just took the, uh, you know, the, his wages half. Yeah, he just took Half his wages. That. He just took it because he had to leave. Uh, it's because in, in the book, kind of, it, sh it implies that his, uh, his backstory is not a very fun one. You know? Well, his and I think we, we get that somewhat from the movie. Like, yeah. we, he seems like such a gentle and respectful man. Um, and then there's, when he gets into tense situations, he's able to handle them with, like, such quick thinking. It's like he's been there violence. before. It's like he's been there yeah, before. Yeah, he's absolutely been there before. So the real human being is just trying to show him now he, he has what he's always wanted. I, no, I get what it's trying to People. say. I just think it's cheesy. I actually don't, oh, object, no. I don't object to it so much in the first scene. Yeah, like, I that like scene's just pretty cheesy anyway. Um, but the... Her opening scene? No, no, no. When oh, the opening scene is great. The opening scene is great. Yeah, but those are, the opening scene and the, thing, the pawn shop ice are two moments where I think to yeah. discuss yeah. About how they set them up and then release the tension that are being built. Yeah. And then how they kind of miss on the, the closing aspects. Okay, what do you mean? So they release tension, right? It's, do we, do we just talk about it now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so the opening scene is structured similar to the pawn shop where you have tension building. The guy says, about five minutes, anything in that window I'm yours, anything out. Mm -hmm. Simple, straightforward. So he's going to rob this repair shop, this auto parts shop. Somewhere, or some, someone is Somewhere in the house. And he's just driving. He's just a driver. Yeah, he's yeah. A they never go inside. Yeah. They always locked to Gosling's perspective. Yeah. Great. So you're, you're literally waiting there with him. Yes. Tension's building. The first robber comes out. He's, he's also, he's got a um, police sign on. Mm -hmm. Or so a police scanner. Police scanner. And it's superimposed over an LA Clippers game. Yeah. If you notice the LA Clippers game, the way it's being narrated, or commentated over mm -hmm. is matching the, the level of tension in the, the things that are going on. It's saying yes. like the Clippers come back, it's making this comeback rally, and then you don't realize later until which is that he's using the Clippers, the end of the Clippers game to guys his getaway. Yes. But going back to him waiting in the car, you see the first guy come out, tense is building, but you, you only see two guys go in. Mm -hmm. So you're waiting, and the police scanner shows the cop cars coming. You coming hear, in two minutes. The diegetic sound, you start hearing the police sirens getting closer and closer, and then you're, you're waiting, you're waiting, it's like five minutes. Mm -hmm. um, then the second guy comes out, and then they're booking it. And yeah. then it's such a build of tension, because even, even when they're in the car, they're still going away, and at one point, They're keeping like very near misses, where like Ryan Gosling has to like get in the dark and turn off the lights, and wait for the police to go by. Yes. Or, and then, like, they're like, okay, it's clear, and he gets back on the road, and then Air One spots him, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, then they get spotted. Mm -hmm. A couple of times. It's twice, right? Yeah. yeah. So first time, he goes underneath the overpass, cools yeah. off, and then it's great, because there's a moment where the, the commentary from the Clippers game comes in, and he's saying they're starting to make a comeback now, and then he goes to that intersection and gets caught, right? And then... For about maybe like less than a minute, they have that chase scene, and then it just dissipates immediately, and he's in the parking garage of the Clippers game, 
and and then it's just over. What they've been building to for so long is over so quickly that it feels un like unjust to like what they have just built. And in the same way that the pawn shop plays out, in that same way where it's building, 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 the waiting in the car, and it's just building tension, and then the explosion of all that tension is over so quick. Because it's it's evoking some of this its 80s um, like chase sequences, right? So the, the chase sequences are actually kind of well shot. Um, oh, they are. They're, but I they're just so short. You are they are so short. Are you talking about, like, you're, you're saying it's sort of an unsatisfying resolution when he just leaves them and leaves? Yeah, it just feels like it's over. So like, I think that... Like, that's... he flips the car in the pawn shop sequence where he, like, he goes in reverse, and he, he flips the car over, and it's done. Mm -hmm. I think that, at least for the first sequence, it's telling us something really important about him. Like, it's not necessarily about the chase itself. It's telling us that he's in it for himself. He's not working with these guys. He's just the driver. So he mm -hmm. abandons them. He, like, leaves. He's out of there, man. He's out of there. I'm, the, the, the ebbing and the flow of how the film is done. Yeah, no, I feel like, uh, personally, I feel like the, the chase sequences are just showing us that uh, Ryan Gosling is a professional. Yeah. He is the best. Yeah. He's he supposed is the to be best a stock car racer later on. So, you know, he's special. This kid is special. He just doesn't, he doesn't just do getaway driving. He also does stunt driving for the movies. Uh, so this, you know, it ending so fast is because he succeeded. You know, and if you, in real life, if you succeed with this uh, car chase, but it if should you end succeed, shouldn't there be more challenge? Like, even if it's he succeeding, right? Shouldn't the film play out I, a little bit differently? I don't feel like don't it's necessary. Think so. No. I think that the point, especially in the first scene, is they're setting up that he's so good. And so when things start going wrong and going wrong and going wrong and going wrong, it, it is like intensified. But like you know that he's so good at this, and even, even though he's so good at it, he can't get himself out of this. He gets away on the first two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The but last the one. second one barely. Yeah, and then also after that everyone gets shot so much. Yeah, everyone dies. And he gets away in the end too. Yeah. Well but he does, he, but he's also been shot. But he gets stabbed. Yeah, or but yeah, stabbed, sorry. That's also that's a great play at the end where yeah. he's holding the shot and you don't know. Yeah. yeah oh I would have I would have given like a hundred dollars to so the record. For it to end there. If he had just ended it there. Yeah, I thought You see was a going little to. tiny twitch in his eye and that's an it. inception style. An inception ending. style ending. I would have given a hundred dollars. If he ended that way, yeah. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't want to end it that way only because he was thinking of like using the character later on mm -hmm. in a story that is after this. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Not as a he's not trying to make the drive to, even though there is an actual sequel book. So have you, you know, maybe have you seen Walter Hill's The Driver? No. You should see it because you can draw like a straight line between. Uh, Walter Hill's a driver um, in like 1978 or something like that. And then you can draw it to uh, this film in 2011, and you can draw that to Baby Driver. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The this, is, this is something that came the out The archetypes in all three of those films are all very similar. Yeah, this guy's proto Baby Driver. He's adult driver. Yes. Yeah, uh, he, Baby Driver was like. I mean, it's definitely inspired yeah. by this film. I mean, I think like, it's an homage yeah. to like crime films in general and getaway drivers in general, but yeah, for sure it was inspired by this film. Mm -hmm. And then some of like the race sequences are evoking a bullet, mm -hmm. Steve McQueen's um, 
also late 70s, something in the 70s. I can't pinpoint the exact date. Um, but that's also, like you can see some of the influences and some of how it goes on to influence other things as yeah. well. This it's just the silent driver protagonist is common. You see it in the driver and baby driver and drive. This movie um, takes such a sharp turn, uh, but in a good way, not in like a Book of Henry way. And it, it takes such a sharp turn from a gentle build of tension and like it's him establishing the relationships and like you know that he's doing something dangerous, but you're, you're pretty sure it's going to work out because you've seen him uh, like succeed in the past. Um, and Oscar Isaac gets shot and that's where it turns. He gets shot once and then he gets shot like a bunch of times and you're like, oh, it's different now. And then it goes to the scene in the motel where eventually, you know, Christina Hendricks gets her head blown yeah, off, which is, which is pretty so gory. It, this movie becomes so gory so yeah. quickly. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn loves to use blood. He really loves violence. Like, if you think this is bad, Only God Forgives is going to be so much worse. No, I'm not watching Only God that Forgives. That movie, to not get a side fact, that movie is... Too much violence. I don't know. I, I love that movie too. Oh, that movie I love that movie. I don't think it's too much. I think, like, I think you need to realize that like that movie is just using violence not to actually you know signify violence, but using it as a style piece rather. Yeah, I think that violence can be used stylistically in films. I really liked the way violence was used in Kingsman, for example. I thought yeah. it was really beautiful. Uh, <laughs> to say violence is beautiful is kind of weird, but it, I think it was really really well used. Um, I want to talk about silence in this movie because uh, I think it's it's central to sort of the genetic makeup of the movie yeah. is the use of silence. There's so little dialogue in the movie um, and when there is dialogue, there's so much underneath it. Like, the I love the scene in the hallway where Standard is talking to Ryan Gosling for the first time and they're, yeah. like, on the page, it looks like sort of pleasant chit-chat. But it but doesn't feel like it that. It doesn't either. feel like that. It's so aggressive. Um, Oscar Isaac is so good in this movie. Everyone's really good in this he is. movie. Standard's just trying to, uh, what is it, um, not eye up, he's trying to size gauge, up. Size up. Yeah. Trying to size up Gosling. Has this guy been sleeping with my yeah. wife while I was gone? Is he just a friend? He's essentially telling him to fuck off without telling him that. Yes. Yeah. But then also silence is used, um, like a actual silence, not just lack of talking, is used in the film really effectively, like that scene where it's so violent, it's really quiet. Mm -hmm. It's so quiet, like even the gunshots are muted, and then there's this there's this incredible shot of Ryan Gosling standing in the doorway, um, just very, very still looking at the violence, and, and then he slowly backs into the shadows. It was so good, his face is covered in blood. Did you notice the way he's lit in the movie sometimes is very much in the shadows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enigmatic. There's also, there are a lot of moments in this movie where it's hard to tell whether something is in slow motion or if they're just moving slowly. Like that scene where he's retreating into the shadows, I couldn't yeah. really tell if it was in slow motion. Or the scene where they kiss in the elevator. At that first was, you're not sure is, if that's in slow motion. But, but, it, is. but it is. Yeah. But What is your guys' take on slow motion? I'm anti-slow motion in 90% mo like of the cases. I think slow motion can I be used really effectively. I love slow motion effective. in this. Yeah. I, I think, think it's the used slow motion very in the well elevator was okay. The slow motion in the motel was not. I would the slow motion in the motel was was amazing. It, I would It was there to show the, the the head blown off. Like you can't okay, see that. You could have also just done it very quick, snappy, and then have what Sierra mentioned is that that slow moment at the end. 
So that was, but that isn't, I don't think that was slow motion. I think that part. No, I think that was just him moving slowly. Just, just him. No, 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 no. That is fine. He's him moving him slowly. But having him sit there and slow down, you have the action quickly done, like boom, 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 shot, 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 over. I think. And then he's just sitting there. The way the re, the it being so slow um, was really effective emotionally because you see him realizing what's happening and not like doing his best to try to mediate it. And to try to stop it, and he can't. Like he's he's losing in that moment, and you get to see him losing but so slowly. It's a stylistic thing that doesn't always work for me. Yeah, it works for me. I think it's just different strokes for different folks. Yeah. Also, it's like at least they have the common courtesy to shoot it at a higher frame rate. Yeah. When when a film goes in slow motion and it's you see it as twenty four frames and they just stitched yeah. extra frames into it, it I, that's why I just don't like. That's understandable. And I also feel like that's something that happens in a lot of older movies, because that was just the tech. They'll use it, depends, there's certain, again, it's, it's a case-by-case scenario. Sometimes yeah. they use it effectively, sometimes they don't. Matrix is very hit or miss for me, because I'm like, I mean, Matrix is the one that probably popularized it to some degree, and where you use it too much. Slow-mo in action films, you mean? Like, they were using it intentionally slow motion, because it's like a computer system or whatever, and mm -hmm. they, can, they can alter stuff like that. Um, but most of the time people are just using it to say look at what's going on on the screen and instead of like noticing the tension that's going on or, or placating to like the beats of the film they're just slowing it down for just gratuitous reasons for that's my take yeah personally I didn't feel like those slow motion scenes especially the one where he kills two people was slowing it down which, anyway. which is why I found the elevator scene so much more effective for me because it slowed down for the romance He's, he goes over to her kisses her yeah. and then just an explosion it's like boom yeah. he's kicking in this guy's head it also delays like for a second it delays like you don't know if he's going to fight this guy or kiss her like it's kind of a misdirect so you see him moving slowly and you're like which one what's gonna happen and it goes to the kiss first yeah which was actually to be honest, they don't, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn and Ryan Gosling don't actually know who came up with the idea for them to kiss. Because that wasn't actually supposed to be in the movie yeah. at first. But uh, in an interview, they both claimed that they were the one who <laughs> had the idea. Uh, but no, I really liked the stomping, though. Stomping was, I also, was very memorable for me. In the kiss shot, um, there's this moment where, and it must have been intentional where he, there's like, they're in profile and he's kissing and then he like swings around so you can see the scorpion on the, his back yeah. and then swings back to profile, um, which was just honestly, I found it very brilliant. Like it's reminding you that like, it's reminding you of his nature uh, and it's a good like sort of semi foreshadowing for him kicking in this guy's head. In. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. I wanted to talk about the scorpion jacket real quick. Go it's on. an excellent piece of costuming. It's so good. And then I also, I was watching this with someone, and partway through the movie, I was like, hey, do you know the story of the scorpion and the frog? And I, like, told him the whole story, and then it came up later in the movie, and I was like, I told you, I told you. You make it across the river. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, for those of you who don't know the story of the scorpion and the frog, um, essentially a uh, scorpion asks a frog for a ride across the river, and the frog says, no, you're going to sting me. And the scorpion's like, no, if I sting you, we'll both die. So, like, trust me and take me across the river. And so the frog agrees and he takes him across the river. And then halfway across, the scorpion stings him. And as the frog is dying, he's like, why did you sting me? Now we're both going to die. 
And the scorpion was like, I can't help it. It's just in my nature. nature. Yep. So. And that's supposed to... Yeah. Metaphors, yeah. It's supposed to symbolize Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is the scorpion, guys. Ryan I don't know if that came scorpion. across in the movie, but like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I thought it was brilliant. And then the way that it it, uh, it gets bloody in the elevator scene, and then it like it just keeps being more blood throughout the rest of the movie. Like his white coat has been tainted by the blood. Yeah, it gets it's, even more tainted. It's like um, a lot of this. A lot of this movie is like very obvious. Like uh, the symbols they choose to use, the color symbolism, it's all very simple. But I think it's used really effectively. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the performances in this movie. We have. Some really great actors, a stacked cast. We For have sure. Brian Cranston, Ryan Gosling, Carrie Brian Mulligan. Cran Say their names too. Oh, as Brian Cranston as Shannon, Ryan Gosling as the driver, Carrie Mulligan as Irene, uh, Oscar Isaac as Standard, and Albert Brooks as. I forgot his name, but it also Nino. starts. No, no, it's, Nino is it's Ron Perlman. No, Nino's no, Ron no, no, no. Nino is, Nino's the other Nino guy. Is Ron, Ron Perlman. Perlman. No. Ron Perlman is the other guy. No, Nino's Ron Perlman. Because then he, walks, in, he walks into the restaurant and says, why are you eating Yeah, it's, it's a store. Right? That's Ron Perlman? Yeah. Oh, I guess I don't know who Ron Perlman is. Ron Perlman you're is right, Nino. You're right, it's Nino. It's Ron Perlman is Nino. Yeah. And then, who's this guy? The man. The old man. The other guy. The guy that doesn't mess up. Shannon's friend. I... He's good. I like well, him. I have it right written down. Give me a second. I'll find it. Keep um, talking. I'll find it. Anyway. Oh, and Christina Hendricks is in this as well. Yes, she's she quite is, good. As Blanche, she's great. Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's wife actually told uh, Nicholas Winding Refn to hire Christina Hendricks. Hendrix. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she was great in this. Was this pre Mad Men or post Mad Men? This is around the time of Mad Men, I think. Her budding fame. Yeah. No, that's that's why actually. I'm yeah. Pretty sure. But yeah. Um, I just I just love how uh, good the performances were from like they are truly excellent. Right, I was talking about this with um, the person I was watching this with. Ryan Gosling is Bernie. Bernie's his name. Bernie, yes. Bernie's the the guy who invests in the stock mm -hmm. stock car racing. Ryan Gosling is a deceptively good actor. Like I wouldn't necessarily expect him to be good. Yeah, because um, because of his his uh, his image was yeah. was kind of tainted with the Notebook. Oh no! I mean, even the Notebook. Like, I feel, I'm including the Notebook in this. Oh really? He's a great in the Notebook. The Notebook I mean, is a good. No, movie. no doubt, he's he's good. Um, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of like, uh, you know, the social expectation of yeah. of Ryan Gosling from the Notebook. Ryan Gosling looks think. so much like Ryan Gosling all the time that you would expect for it to be difficult to buy him as all these different characters. He's reached stardom now. Yeah, but you truly do. Like, he, yeah. I buy him in every role I've ever seen him in. And I don't think, hey, it's Ryan Gosling acting. I'm like, oh, it's the driver. It, it is the driver. It's the Noah from The Notebook. It's that guy in Crazy Stupid Love whose name I forget. He's, he's a really an excellent actor. And he does so much with so little in this movie in terms of dialogue. Where you see like Tom Cruise as like the star. Yeah, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is... Or Johnny Depp is Johnny Depp in every yeah. movie. Johnny Depp is just a weird dude. It's like they, they, when you... The, the notion of stardom, when you see a movie of like Tom Cruise or Johnny Depp, you have those preconceived notions. But with Ryan Gosling, you have such a, a, a wide variety of stuff that he does. So you yeah. have something like Drive, then you also have something like The Nice Guys, where he's doing a lot of physical stand-up comedy. Yeah, or La La Land, he's, he's or The Notebook, movie. where he's a romantic lead. Or uh, Crazy Stupid Love as well. Or The Believer, where he is a uh, Nazi 
Jewish person. Haven't seen that. Really good movie. Have you check it out? You want to like contextualize Drive in terms of his career? Because I feel like Nicholas Winding Refn takes this film and then he goes and makes actually an even so more cryptic version. Ryan Gosling requested Nicholas Winding Refn when he got signed on to Drive. Originally, Nicholas Winding Refn wasn't going to direct this movie. What was his prior film? Was it Bronson? Bronson, yes. Bronson was in 08, though. Is there one between? Uh, there was, I think. Uh, I think there was Valhalla Rising, or I think that might be... No, yeah, no, that was actually right after Bronson, Valhalla Rising. We should get the IMDb up and have it uh, next time. Yes, we should, but Valhalla Rising is a Nicholas Winding uh, Refn movie with Mads Mikkelsen, in which the main character does not say a single word throughout the movie. A classic recurring theme <laughs> in his work. Yeah, uh, but there is also Fear X, which bankrupted this company. So yes, that's... Uh, Nicholas Winding Refn's career was pretty interesting. He actually got, I think, expelled from film school and then went on to make Pusher, the Pusher series. Which because, is, why did he expel? Because he flipped a table on <laughs> <laughs> That is such a move. That is such a Nicholas Winding Refn move. I totally see that. That is, from his films, he seems very eccentric. Pusher, you know, I, I didn't think like I was going to like it at all. Because it's a, it's a Danish film, completely Danish. And... Uh, at the time, I watched it firstly without subtitles and then with subtitles. What a but power. But it's, it's really good. I'm just going back to the fact that you flipped the table. Imagine being like, <laughs> you're not getting my film, I'm flipping this table and then to go make like Drive. Or like, you know, at least make film. Most people say so they, they can make most film. Most people who are shitty in Mads Mikkelsen's debut. Yeah. Mads Mikkelsen's debut was actually Pusher. Really? Yeah, and then Pusher 2 was his like, you know, Pusher 2 is starring Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, first, the first Pusher movie is only Mads Mikkelsen as a side character. Yes, uh, actually Mads Mikkelsen is the, the main character's best friend. Yeah. Uh, the Pusher series was so, the, the first Pusher movie was so uh, loved that uh, he, you know, he had to return and make two more. But then he went on to make Fear X, which was this uh, John Turturro movie, and it's supposedly a movie without an ending mm -hmm. and I watched it and it kind of doesn't have an ending cool but it also it's very interesting to watch because it shows you like where Nicholas Winding Refn gets all his weird stuff like he's done this before you know only God forgives all that drive the slowness the the yeah, symbolism it, it, it's, it's all in Fear X if you think this movie is paced slowly wait till you see only God Forgives, and oh, then yeah. The Neon Demon, which is, The Neon Demon is one of the most polarizing films, because people yeah. either love it or hate it. I love it. I'm <laughs> anti-Neon Demon, because I'm like, this would work great as like an art piece. I'm a, I'm, I'm a Nicholas Winding Refn fanboy, to be honest. I'm I love all his movies. Surprising no one, I have not seen it. Because uh, I don't watch films. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about the last couple of beats of this movie because I think they're really just lovely and incredibly shot. Um, the the beach scene where he's killing uh, Nino is yeah. absolutely gorgeous. I, I just need to stop right there. So I yeah. had a friend tell me that that was supposedly uh, a baptism. I but I don't think so. I don't think, I don't so. think so because it's, no. it's, the, it's, the, it's the frog in the... It's the frog in the toad. And I also think that the there's squirting. this sort of... Um, there's this one shot where you kind of... It's a really wide shot, and you kind of 
pull out and you, it's shot from above and you can barely see Ryan Gosling and Nino in the waves. And I think that there's a very like powerful message there about how he's being sort of overwhelmed by circumstance and overwhelmed by things outside of his control. Um, and I loved the flashing light coming from the lighthouse where you couldn't really tell where it was coming from for a while, but yeah. it was just illuminating their faces once every few seconds. It was really gorgeous. Um, and then I really, I, I loved the scene in the Chinese restaurant oh, yeah. um, between him and, what's that character's name? Uh, Bernie? Bernie, yes. Bernie. Yeah. Finally him and Bernie, where it's cutting between them having this conversation where Ryan Gosling knows that he's going, like he knows he's not coming back. He knows he might die. Yeah. Um, but he just he and wants the girl between to be them safe. getting stabbed, both of them stabbing each other. Yeah. Which, first of all, if you're planning to murder someone, is to just stab him once in the abdomen. Like, come on. Is that the could that be a metaphor for the frog and scorpion because he killed himself? Or the, Maybe the well, it's reversal because you think they're both gonna die. Yeah, they're both scorpions. they're both scorpions. Yeah, and then they both think they're gonna die, but then yeah. But away. as they're away. cutting between, there are these shots of like this, this, these close-ups on their profiles where they're in like the far right and left corners of the screen, and then behind them is this sort of ethereal, like gold and blue, and they're lit from behind, so they're glowing. And it's this scene of like, like they're both very godly in this scene. Like you can see that they're both very powerful people, and they're coming to this like end of the road where they they have to like finally face each other. It's it was so beautifully done. I really yeah. did love it. And then this the shot where Ryan Gosling is so still and you're not sure if he's alive or dead. Which, first of all, how did he stay so still? That was incredible. Well done, he's, Ryan Gosling. He's a great actor. Um, and he then, I, I honestly, I really wish it had ended there. I don't know. I, I personally really like the second, you know, the real human being thing. But I love the style of it. That's yeah. pretty much why. Like, I love the music. Yeah. And... It really fits. It, it makes it worthwhile. You know, I, I didn't want him to die. Like, I was hoping. Oh, no, I know. I was I just, very much. I was so attached to the character. You're very attached to the character. That I couldn't, you know, I, I just wanted him to survive. Yeah. So I had to, like, believe that he did. Yeah, and, and I think that it if, it had, if it had left it there, you would have been able to believe that he was alive. He could have been alive. You I, really I, wouldn't have known. He could have been. But I, I wanted it to be certain. I don't want yeah. this to be another, like, inception. Oh, here, the movie is all boiled down to just the ending. Yeah, that's it. Which wasn't really important. It, you know, yeah. with Inception, actually... Uh, Inception, just, I, I love Inception's ending. Like, let, I, let's I not like, get into Inception, but... Let's I, not I, get into Inception, actually. That is, um, that is a good point. I would be happy if I'm coming back on this podcast at some point to bring, to bring Inception, because that's a great movie. Um, but I don't mind that, to be honest. I don't honest. mind it. It'd be like an hour, it'd be like two hour podcast. Two hour podcast was so... talking about Inception. Um, I would have preferred it to end on the shot of him not moving, but I do think that ending it with um, this perspective that we become accustomed to, the sort of like over the shoulder shot with his eyes in the rear view mirror of him just driving, because that's all he can do, is a pretty good way to end it. Yeah, no it is. And he's moving on to the next city to do this all again. Yeah. The next character, the characterizations are weird in the film. What do you mean? So, so the driver is silent for most of the film. So a lot of his characterizations come through his actions. Mm -hmm. And he has to play off the reactions or the inaction of other characters. Yeah. So you get a lot of characterization just from, I guess it's not weird, it's nuance in the way that you have to read 
the relationships between other people. So for example, the um, the one with standard taking out the trash yeah. after the party. It's very much time because he's not saying anything. He's like, so you come by on a lot? Yeah. Or the scene where Carrie Mulligan, after their date, Carrie Mulligan, is it Carrie Mulligan or Michelle Williams? Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan. Carrie I Mulligan. get those two mixed up. All no, the I did too. I that absolutely mixed them up. Um, or the fact that we're going there after that first date and they're just sitting by the windowsill and they're just staring at each other. That's there's another no scene, by the way, where she's lit with warm colors and he's lit with cool colors. And there's just no, the there's like no talking. So a lot of the characterization that you get from, or, or from the fact, remember when they do um, the stock car scene where he's like, my hand is dirty, mm-hmm. so is mine. He doesn't like talk at all. Like Shannon and Bernie. Bernie. Louis, the guy to remember Bernie now because we're all gonna forget it. <laughs> um, all, all of his character interactions are really. He's like an impressionable human. That's how you get his characterization because of how he, how he smiles at Irene or how he's like defensive against uh, Bernie or like how he feels at home in the mechanic shop with Shannon. A lot of his characterizations aren't coming from what he's saying or what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't have any lines of dialogue in the film. No. Except but like 20 my, favorite, my favorite line of dialogue of his was when he tells Irene, I don't have any, I don't have any wheels on my car. That's one thing that's you should know about That's one thing you should know about me. And that was I, I love lovely. That. that was amazing. It was this like one moment of humor that he has in the film. <laughs> Yeah, it was, being, it, like, was a charming, it was hopeful. It was Yeah, that's that's why I uh, that's why I really like the real human being stuff. You know, hit a chord. Love that movie. Is he a replicant? <laughs> Question mark. Is he? <laughs> Who knows? I mean, oh, uh, he was. I mean, he is too. Wait, that's another film. <laughs> <where he totally laughs> I mean, he is. He is. Yeah. What is it? Uh, you can kind of see where he gets his Blade Runner. Seven years later, he's a replicant. Yeah, you can kind of see where he gets his Blade Runner performance from, though. A little bit, yeah. Watching this movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's this and, and only God forgives that like really but he does it much more like intense in uh, in Blade Runner, I feel. Oh, there's one scene I want to talk about, I'm looking at my notes here. Um, when he goes into um, the stripper place. The stripper place. Cl- oh, that was such a cool that scene. Was great. Not that was only amazing. the not range only... on the phone. Maybe the the you can make your case about like the violence leading up to it and how come the dialogue is so weird? But when he's on the phone with Nino, he's like, I have your money. And Nino's trying to like play it off and he's and you really feel um this weird dynamic that's going on over the phone through um the driver's frustration and how he's so angry. Yeah. That everything's and just he's like gone. Just sweating yeah, so much. Everything's gone wrong and now he's trying to salvage yeah. what he can. There's this really uh lovely shot in that scene where it's shooting the mirror um, and in front of the mirror are these two women and they're completely still like they look like statues and they're just looking down on the floor at the floor at where um cook is another mirror scene and it the, there's like the power on the mirror and you see ryan gosling it's like i don't know how like what it made me feel but it made me feel something and i was like really appreciating the composition of it another just just i don't know if it's a re- I, don't, I doubt it's a recurring thing but just a similar frame shot is when um, he walks and get in with Irene to get water and you see the mirror and it's a picture of it's her and then you have an image of 
the sun and heat Benicio. in the air and it looks like a family. Yeah. So just a little little detail yeah. about the mirrors that I yeah. not gonna like psychoanalyze it, not gonna say it's you know significant more of it. Nice, it's what he wants. A nice touch. That's what the driver wants. Yeah, it's all very deliberate. It's the, what, what is that Harry Potter mirror of desires or whatever? The mirror of Era said? Yeah, that his mirror. One, his one like, Shut up, listen. <laughs> Harry Potter was very important to me, and I don't like the films very much, so. Controversial opinion, but. I, I don't like the films that much either. I only like the third one. Yeah. The Quran. Yeah. Yes, excellent. Exactly. That's why. Actually, I like the first two as well. Yeah, the um, first two have the simplicity to it. Yeah, yeah, they have the feel of the first two books. I this want isn't a, we the house this. cup. The house cup is very important in the later films. They don't do the points anymore. That was a big issue for me. They don't do Quidditch even in the later films. But this isn't a Harry Potter podcast. This is a drive. This podcast. is a drive. Hey, podcast. you know, one of our members want to bring on a Harry Potter film. Yeah, I would be glad to discuss we'll a Harry Potter it. film. Um, <laughs> uh, do we have any last thoughts on this movie? I love it. Yeah. That's my pretty much my last thought. Uh, I think the apartment number 405 is the same one in... Uh, don't hit the table, man. In uh, in Baby Driver. 405? I think so. I don't I'm know. not sure. I don't remember. I'm not sure. I've only seen Baby Driver four times. How, how could you expect me to remember that? I don't even want me to pull it up here. No, it's fine. Um, yeah, I actually think I like this film more now that we've discussed it. Wow. Rather right. than just watching it. That's nice. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I enjoy the film. Yeah. I don't like his later works. They're very, they're very uh, polarizing. Uh, this is, God this is his most. His, I don't know why this and his prior works are more palpable than his. This is his best work, work uh, easily. But there's like, yeah, you should really watch Bronson if you haven't. I'm not. Bronson is great, and it's like to, uh, Tom Hardy's Tom like. Hardy. Like his time. breakout performance too. I thought his breakout performance was Inception. Mm, they this both was, came out this two, was, two, 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 was 2010. I think uh, Bronson was 08. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, All right. So, uh, it, Bronson is better than Inception in terms of Tom Hardy's performance. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tom not, Hardy has like four lines of Inception. Yeah, so uh, that's all. Like, he does a, an amazing job as Bronson. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, this is the scene where the, talk the to trash, take out trash and. Uh, standard sizing up. Yeah, this scene, right. the scene where Standard is just talking to him for the first time. I think time, silence. It made me the so silence, uncomfortable. The use of silence in this scene is important because it's just creating this awkwardness. Mm -hmm. Hey, the, the painting is is a painting of, of the waves yeah. foreshadowing. Oh damn, hey. that's so Virginia Woolf. Uh, hey, look, Standard's going through the exit. That means he's gonna die. Oh, and actually, Poor just Adam. the use of shadows. <laughs> My bad, I'm going to. <laughs> the, use of psycho <laughs> the use of shadows in this movie is cool too. Um, we see a lot of things that are in shadow, we see a lot of shadows from characters, and then at the very end, the whole like climactic stabbing scene is pretty much done just by watching their shadows, um, which was really Oh, I have lovely. one thing to add. Uh, Drive added a lot to the, uh, to the culture. To the culture? To the culture in general. <laughs> to the U.S. culture. Because, like, I don't think we would have had Stranger Things without Drive. And hear me out. Really? Here. Hear me out here. Uh, Drive, you know, Nicholas Winding, Nicholas Winding Refn did Drive and also did Only God Forgives. And those are pretty, like, you know, 80s-inspired uh, uh, and very stylistic and all that. But here's the thing. Stranger Things, and I know this, is, this might be a reach, but Stranger Things, the sound, the, the opening... Uh, you know, the opening song of each episode mm -hmm. uh, sounds very, very similar. 
to a song on uh, Only God Forgives. And actually I went and dug some more and it turns out the uh, people who were doing the soundtrack for Stranger Things were hugely influenced by Cliff Martinez, who is the person who did the soundtrack for mm -hmm. Drive and Only God Forgives. I think it's fair to say that there might have been some influence from Drive on Stranger Things, but I think that people are, who were kids in the 80s are just yeah. older now like and they're making, we, making like, content about the 80s. It's like why we have so many comic book films, because kids in the 90s who like comic book films are now adults and they're now making those films that yeah. they like so much. That's it, I, I, I would totally believe you that there's influence there. No, I'm, I'm pretty certain there's influence. I'm just thinking that, I would personally, say, I feel like it is, this is the start. This is the, the beginning of, of the 80s uh, nostalgia. It starts from here and then continues onwards. It doesn't start from Stranger Things. I wouldn't say it starts from Stranger Things. I would never say that. I'm just not saying that there's a direct link necessarily. I'm sure it's right. from the 80s. This is, this like is even if, more of a... If Drive, here. then Stranger Yes, okay. Things. If Drive, then Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami, then The Guest. The Guest, then Stranger Things. I and you yes. y'all need to y'all need paper. to Google that. Write yeah. paper. I'll write it write, on paper. Write me an essay. No, 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 no. Write, I'm saying write an essay, submit it to me. I want <laughs> ten thousand words. On my desk by Monday. Twenty pages of this. Okay. I'll I'll get to it. <laughs> Alright, well uh find our socials online. Yes. UW Film Club on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, uh Superior to Facebook, our film club UW on both. Check us out there. Facebook sign, please like us on Instagram. Yeah. That's where we're moving. Yeah, we're moving on to Instagram. We're joining the kids. Joining the kids on the gram. Um, I actually, real quick, want to talk about Instagram because my little brother was into it before I was, and I did not understand Instagram when I first started getting popular I still use among the youth. I'm still very much of the fact that everything has to be a square, except yeah. for only on my personal account. Everything on my personal account, one by one. Yeah, square. But uh, um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please feel free to find us on social media and come to our meetings. Like, rate, comment, su su subscribe. subscribe. Oh yeah, it's uh, very important. Use our MeUndies code, our Casper mattresses, <laughs> Blue Apron, all that. Amazon um, Smile. Amazon Smile. You know, donate to charities. When you wanna, when you wanna buy stuff. Use our referral codes when everywhere. When you wanna buy the Blu-ray for stuff, we also get a good a kickback. Yeah. And we can show more we're, we're very popular and influential. Yeah. Um, thanks yeah. so much for listening. And feel free to tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Peace.